When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, and welcome back to another video. Today, we're going to go over the average day in the life of Obi-Wan on Tatooine. Now, I've created a few videos like this in the past. They're about five or so years old. So I figured this one will be a little updated with some better quality and some more information. In the barren wastes of Tatooine, former Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi spent most of his days playing a torturous waiting game. He was on that planet for one thing, and one thing only, to ensure that the son of his former apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, now Sith Lord Darth Vader, was able to grow up safely and perhaps learn the traditions of the Jedi Order, as he was one of the last of their kind. But that mission wasn't a particularly active one. Unlike the years he spent in the Clone Wars, boarding enemy ships like General Grievous's Malevolence or leading clone troopers into fielded battle, like in the first Battle of Felucia, Kenobi's time on Tatooine required a certain skill that the Jedi Order had recently forgotten, patience. For nearly 20 years, Obi-Wan waited, without particularly much to do, as he watched Luke Skywalker grow from a defenseless infant into one of the best Skyhopper pilots on the planet. And in all of those years, you have to wonder, how exactly did Obi-Wan spend his time? Admittedly, there wasn't really much he could do. Obi-Wan spent most of his time trying to conceal his true identity. If any of the local moisture farmers or a curious weak-way mercenary serving the huts discovered that famed Clone Wars commander Obi-Wan Kenobi was on Tatooine, well, there would be hell to pay. Not only would he draw the eye of Imperial forces, but he would also attract Darth Vader's attention. Now, this is something in the Kenobi show that I'm really curious to see how they wrote it and how it'll pan out, and mainly just judging on the fact that Obi-Wan and Vader are going to fight which has been revealed by Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars themselves. I kind of feel like wouldn't Vader follow Obi-Wan back to Tatooine or wouldn't he try to find him and think, hey, maybe he's back on my home world? Well, in this time as Palpatine's apprentice, Vader has become even more perceptive and sensitive to deception. If he knew that Kenobi had chosen Tatooine, Vader's own home planet as his hiding place, then Vader would naturally wonder why, don't you think? Out of all the planets and all the systems, why would Kenobi choose this Outer Rim world? It would only take a short investigation to lead Vader to the truth that Luke had actually survived birth and was being hidden in Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's farm. So, Kenobi kept his cloak's hood tucked tight underneath his chin. As he grew his beard out to a giant, brambly bush, the rare times that he would venture into civilization, he did so with extreme caution and always conscious of the glare of strangers. This wasn't an easy thing to do either. As a Jedi, he had spent his life fighting for the downtrodden and on the backwater planet of Tatooine. There were more than a few of that type. It seemed that almost anywhere Obi-Wan looked, he found a poor moisture farmer extorted by Jabba's weak-way henchmen. With just a flick of his wrist, Kenobi could liberate the entire region from the terrible reign of the Huts. 
but at what cost? If he helped the poor farmers fight against Jabba's tyranny, the risk would be too great. Imperials might be alerted in the escalating conflict, just like they were when Farron Barr riled Mon Calo into rebellion. So, Kenobi avoided being a hero as often as he could. But there were times when he couldn't resist. Once during one of the greatest droughts in Tatooine's recorded history, Jabba's thugs came to the central market and drew their guns on the locals. Knowing that the villagers would die without the water that Jabba had been stealing, but also aware that the Weequay thugs would happily squeeze the triggers of their carbine rifles and mow down everyone in the square, Kenobi decided to act. From the shade of a nearby food stall, Kenobi used the force to cause all of the thugs' guns to misfire, thus saving the lives of the locals for at least one more day. On another occasion, the same group of mercenaries rode their landspeeder to Uncle Owen's moisture farm, demanding payment on their regular pickup route. Obi-Wan came out to confront them, and instead of withdrawing his lightsaber and defending himself, he used a force technique that would serve him well during his time on Tatooine, a Jedi mind trick. He simply caused the extortionist to board his speeder and return back to Jabba's palace. That wouldn't be the only time that Kenobi saved Owen and Luke's well-being, but the grizzled Jedi Master made sure he only interfered in the most dire of circumstances. Obi-Wan's trips to the market and his small acts of heroism against Jabba's thugs only constituted a handful of days in his life on Tatooine. He was on the planet for nearly 20 years, and in all of that time, he was unable to openly practice his use of the Force, unable to train Luke in the ways of the Jedi, and unable to even socialize with the locals. It was a lonely existence for the Jedi Master. He kept in shape by fighting the Tusken Raiders without his lightsaber and without the Force, just merely hand-to-hand -hand combat. He often made soups and stews for himself and thought a lot about Qui-Gon Jinn and his past with Anakin. Now, a lot of the Legends material conflicts with some canon today, but in general, it's just Obi-Wan kind of waiting until Luke is old enough so that he can train him. Now, with the Kenobi show, it will take a completely different direction. As we know, he does leave Tatooine, and this is super unconventional for what Obi-Wan's supposed to do at this time. Now, who's going to be watching Luke? I don't really know. Maybe Ahsoka, maybe Rex, maybe someone else. But what I do know is that we're going to be getting a ton of new material, canon material, that will shape Obi-Wan's time on Tatooine. And reveal to us that, hey, he wasn't really sitting there the entire time. Now, when he wasn't doing any of this new stuff that is going to be put in, or any of the stuff like making soup and fighting Tuscans, he filled most of his downtime with simple meditation. He would sit in the desert sand flats, fold his feet beneath himself and close his eyes. Kenobi would hearken back to a time before the Galactic Empire to the days of his apprenticeship, and contemplate all the lessons that Qui-Gon Jinn and Master Yoda had taught him in his youth. This is one reason why I think Obi-Wan was able to get as strong as he did later on. Because while he wasn't practicing the physical aspects of being a Jedi, like lightsaber fighting and so on, he was definitely increasing his force aspect through meditation. So if they do something in Kenobi where he like cuts off his force abilities, I'll just think that's kind of odd. Now, in these rare moments, he would allow the force to flow through him in the desert, hidden from the world with the sons of Tatooine searingly hot as they penetrated the brown cloth of his cloak. At times, he would push himself to his physical limits, levitating stones, skulls, and bones in intricate designs as he meditated, sort of like a Rubik's Cube for Jedi. Sometimes he would put his thoughts into paper and write them down in a journal that he would later leave to Luke. This was the journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it was one of the earliest Jedi records that Luke would have access to after Obi-Wan died. Before the young Jedi, Luke, had the chance to meet Master Yoda on the swamp planet of Dagobah, he often turned to his tales of Kenobi's journals for insight into the ways of the Force. 
It was actually Obi-Wan's journals that led Luke into one of his first duels against a dark side practitioner on a mysterious blue mountained planet in the Vagadar system. Kenobi's days were a monotonous cycle. For the most part, he would take long walks along the desert sands, developing an odd kinship with the Jawas, but none of the other humanoid species of Tatooine for fear of blowing his cover. And in between those few great moments of heroism, when he saved the lives of Luke and Owen, or helped out the local citizens, he mostly kept to himself and his meditations, eventually learning how to become one with the Force. So the more we understand about Kenobi and his time in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, the more we realize that they really do have to spice the show up in order for it not to be just Groundhog Day. Obi-Wan wakes up, makes some deals with the Jawas, maybe punches a Tusken Raider or two. The odd time he defends Luke and Uncle Owen from water tax thugs from Jabba's palace, or maybe the random act of heroism in town. A show like that would get boring really fast and redundant. So I can see why they chose to definitely spruce things up by having Obi-Wan leave. It goes against what he was supposed to do, but hey, what are you going to do? I'm excited for the Kenobi show. I'm looking forward to seeing what we'll all get in the show and how it's going to shape Obi-Wan's life and fill in these gaps between episode three and four. And of course, can't wait to see those Anakin Skywalker flashbacks and more Vader. Hope you enjoyed this video and I hope it gave you a bit of a sense or idea of what Obi-Wan was up to during his time on Tatooine. At least until now where it'll be more so filled in with the Kenobi show. Have an awesome rest of your day. Leave a like on this video if you enjoyed it and I'll see you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you. Always.